Father, I too want to thank you for uh, my new friends, the volunteer Christian builders, and, and what you have uh, done through them in just a week's time is amazing. Thank you for their example of service. Thank you for their example of giving. And I pray blessings upon them, God, because they're kingdom builders. And that's what we want to be as a church, is, is a church of kingdom builders. Father, today I pray for my friend Jason that you would anoint him, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit so that his words um, are your words, so that you penetrate through to our hearts. You said that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, and it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God, we need our hearts to be judged by you today, not by human beings, by you. So we just lay our hearts bare and say, do your work in us. Speak to us through Jason now, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Get situated. Today, as uh, Doug was saying, I think Alex touched on it too, is uh, we're going to be taking a a look uh, within ourselves uh, and finding what I will call character flaws. Uh, and, and just to define what a character flaw is, it's any part of your character that doesn't match with the character of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. That's the goal. The goal of every Christian is to be imitators of Christ. It doesn't... Uh, or have you, Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered how God sees you? Have you ever really cared about how God sees you? Have you ever really wanted to know? Today I hope that uh, we can answer some of the questions and I hope that God will give you a little insight to who you really are. Uh, you have a listening guide and the, and the, the verse that uh, we're going to be basing this out of is in Lamentations. Lamentations 3.40 says, it, it, it's, a, it's a command, it tells us to examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Now, to tell you, to give you a little background on that verse, uh, Israel had... Uh, Moved away from God. They had, uh, it was a kind of a gradual thing, but they had gotten so far away from God that God allowed their enemies to take over the country and, and subject them to uh, slavery and, and that sort of thing. And, and actually uh, uh, start uh, forcing them out of the country. And so the author here says, you know, as, as he's talking as a people, that we need to examine our ways. And we need to test them, and we need to return to the Lord. And that's what we want to do today, examine our ways and test them. And uh, hopefully today you can find a way to do that. But the first thing I want to do is I would like to share a quick story with you. One day when I was eight years old, I woke up to what was going to be a normal day in an eight-year-old boy's life. There was nothing spectacular planned. There was nothing to celebrate. It was just an average, ordinary day. This day, however, would turn out to be a day that would forever impact me and leave its mark on my character. My mother was a young woman, younger than I am now, actually. Just like any other young mother, she had uh, all the pressures and problems of a young mother's life. But my mother had a special way of dealing with the pressures in her life. She used drugs. To this day, I couldn't tell you 
why that this particular day was so stressful for her. But she chose to deal with that stress in her own way. She got high. It was when she started running around the house, moaning through her tears and shaking her hands violently that I knew something wasn't right. Now, I was an eight-year-old boy, and I didn't have a clue as to what to do about this. So she finally laid down and fell asleep, and when my stepfather got home, I told him about everything that had been going on, and, and he had sense enough to call an ambulance. And my mother died of a drug over, overdose that day in that ambulance on the way to the hospital. Now, I tell you this story not so you'll have pity on me or not for your empathy or anything like that. It's just that, that this, so this next point I'm going to make, the next thing I'm going to tell you is very clear to you. I was a little boy who grew up to want to be a good parent. I didn't want to make the same mistakes as my uh, parents had made. But the day that I most clearly saw myself for the first time was the day that my own six-year-old daughter was so afraid of me that she called 911. Most of you know about the day because I've shared it with you before. It was on Mother's Day only a few years ago that my wife and I had been fighting so violently that, uh, that Alyssa, my six-year-old daughter, was, was scared and she called the police. My heart was broken. That day there were no excuses. There was no one that I could blame. I had to face the fact that something in me had to change. And up until this point in my life, I, I really didn't think I was a bad person. I had good intentions, but no amount, no amount of good intentions was, was going to outweigh the reality of what I was faced with, that I was a bad father and I was a bad husband. My hope is that for you, is that if you've never really looked at yourself or who you really are before God, not the person that you think you are, but who you really are, that it wouldn't take a, a painful day like I had to experience, but that you would be willing to take a look today as I share with you this morning. If you would, would you bow your heads? Just let me pray with you. Father, I just ask God that, uh, that you would just show up in this place, God, which I know you have. And God, just uh, begin to work on people's hearts. God, as the way you have worked in my life, I pray, Father, that uh, you would do the same in the people that are here in their lives. Father, maybe you're already doing something. Father, maybe you've, you've uh, began a work a long time ago. And I just pray, God, that you could point out to them any character flaw that they might have, God, and that you would uh, weigh it on their hearts heavily, God, to do something about it. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ. We thank, we pray everything in His name. Amen. There's, there's some basic concepts uh, that we're going to look at today. Uh, when, when you want to take a, an assessment of, your, of yourself, there's these things that you've got to keep in mind, and that's what I want to talk about. And uh, the first thing, and it's on your listening, guys, is that you've you got to get honest. Because it all starts with honesty. True honesty with God and true honesty with others. That's what we're going to talk about. Because honesty is a vital part of every healthy relationship. And that's what needs to be restored. For some reason, most of us at some point in our lives have gotten away from honesty. I don't know if it's because it's, it's painful for people to know all the bad things about us. 
uh, I know I can remember being a kid and being made fun of for uh, numbers of reasons, you know. And I, I don't know if it's that or I don't know if it's because we like doing what we, we do so much that uh, we just don't want to be bothered with change, so we want to keep it a secret. The world can be cruel at times, but in God's economy, honesty has its value. Uh, husbands and wives, do uh, you remember when you were dating? And some, some of you single people are still going through this. Remember when you were dating and you wanted to, to look good for each other? What would you do? What would you spend your time doing before you, you actually met with your date? Brush your teeth? Primp and get proper? You would check yourself out. You'd probably check yourself out in a mirror. You'd probably check out your hair. You'd probably check out your outfit. And, and, and guys, you'd probably get in there and you'd groom all the areas where you grew uh, an excess amount of hair. And, and you didn't want anybody to know that you grew hair there, let alone somebody that you're, you're dating. And I, I think some of us still probably do that, or some of us may have spent more time doing that than others. But the question is, why did you spend so much time looking at yourself and making sure that everything looked so good? It was because you cared about how that other person saw you. Don't you care about how your Father in Heaven sees you? I hope you do. I hope, I hope you'd be willing to take a look, look at yourself today and, and to see yourself as God sees you. And since we're talking about mirrors, I'll tell you another story. I, when I was in high school, I had a, a best friend, and I, I would hang out at his house. And in his living room, they, they kept the lighting kind of low in the, in the living room, and it was kind of dim. And uh, they had a mirror, a really big mirror on one wall. And uh, it, me and my friend, you know, we'd go in there, and if you, stood, if you stood at the right angle, at the right distance away, I could take my shirt off, and I could just flex my muscles, and I looked so ripped up in that mirror because there were so many shadows in there. And, uh, I, I mean, I looked like I belonged in an octagon. I, like, I, I looked like a UFC fighter. My point is, is that sometimes when you take a look at yourself, you can get an inaccurate view of yourself. I knew I didn't really look like that because every time I looked in any other mirror in the house that had the right kind of lighting, I didn't see the same reflection that I saw in that one particular mirror. And, and also with the people that were there, my friend's family, and, and they would laugh and, and the way they shook their heads, I just knew that I was, I was uh, del delusional, is a good word. <clears throat> but we've got to remember that God's truth is the standard in which we use Compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Look for those differences between His character and your own. Those are called character flaws. We need to get honest with God. Look at the way David prayed to God in Psalms 139. It's verses 23 and 24, and this is the Living Bible. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, that sounds like to me that somebody is ready to get honest with God. Now, I've come to pray this prayer, and I hope that you would be willing to pray a prayer like that. And if you know anything about David's life, this is, this is a relatable thing to David. If you know about him, then you know that he, he was far from perfect. There's, there's places in the Bible that tell us where he, he, he lied, he stole, he committed murder, committed adultery, and I even get the impression that he probably wasn't a very good parent. David made mistakes, but he genuinely loved God. He wanted to honor God, and he was willing to ask God for God to show him the areas of his life where he wasn't honoring to God. 
If you want to know, or if you want to see yourself for who you really are, be brave enough to ask God. Pray about it. Open yourself up as David did and see what God has to say about you. I assure you, God has already known your flaws long before you were willing to admit them to Him. You're not telling Him anything new. And it's important that we also get honest with other people. This is a hard part. I think it's easier for us to be honest with God than it is for us to be honest with other people. And let me uh, just make sure that you understand this. I'm not talking about going out and telling everybody that you know about your character flaws. But I'm telling you, it's okay to tell someone you trust. Someone you trust is somebody that you've, 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 got, you've established a relationship with. And the experience tells you that, hey, I can, I can rely on this person or I can tell this person. Uh, but you, you, can, you need to tell somebody you trust. And, and this is what the Bible says. And, and this is how you know that, uh, that it'll be okay. Because in James 5.16, the Bible says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How can anybody pray for you if they don't know what to pray for? We need to be honest with each other so that we can pray for each other so that there can be healing. We need to be honest with each other because... We all need a little accountability. I know I'm not the only one. I know that you can probably use accountability too. Most everybody here knows about my personal struggle with internet pornography. I've talked about it on a couple of occasions up here. Now, <clears throat> I had a dirty little secret. And when it was left that way, that's what it was. It was a secret. And, and as long as it was a secret, I found it very difficult to say no. I, I, I did personally have a desire to stop doing it. But that all changed when I told somebody about it. It, it, it became something else. It, it wasn't me fighting this internal battle with, with going back to... You know, I, I like that proverb that says, a foolish man returns to his own... It's like a dog that returns to his own vomit. That's what I was like. I was like a dog that returned to his own vomit. I was just sick, you know, uh, about what I was doing. But it, I, I wasn't able to... to to walk away from that sin until I told someone. Well, actually, in my case, somebody found out, which led to me telling other people. I'm not, I'm not that noble of a person. <laughs> but today, I have several, several people in my life that, uh, that I call my accountability team. You can call them whatever you want. They don't, you don't have to call them your accountability team. You can call them my people. I've got, I've got my people. But I have my people. Uh, and, you know, and today they, they, they ask me the tough questions. They ask me, you know, Jason, how are you doing with that problem? And I, ask, and I answer it, honestly, you know. Uh, they're there to encourage me. They're there to uh, help me get back on track when I, when I, when I stray from the right path. Uh, and they're important. They're an important part of my, my relationship to God because uh, I think uh, it's... Well, we'll get into this verse later, but there is a, 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 an internal struggle going on every day with me. And it's always nice to have those people, whenever in my weak moments, that they can encourage me to do the right thing. Now, I want to ask you, is there anybody in your life that you trust? Is there someone that can get involved in your walk to, to be more like Jesus Christ? You can ask them, and the worst that they can do is say no. And if they say no... Don't let that discourage you. You can pray. Pray that God would bring someone in your life that would say yes. I don't believe that you'll ever truly see yourself without God's input and without the input of other people. 
Have you ever known someone that uh, that wouldn't listen to your input about who they were? I, I, I don't want to say any names. I feel so tempted to say a name. There, there's people that I know that are just um, oblivious to, to the way they affect people. They're oblivious to uh, uh, the, the character flaws in, the, in them that, and how they annoy everyone around them. And no matter how many times that you tell them, they just they don't change. It's hard to have a relationship with someone like that. But when, when you're willing to, to look at yourself, you've got to the point in your life where you, you're confessing to God, then you, you can confess to someone else. If you're nervous about doing something like this, I understand. It's not easy, but it works. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, uh, 9 through 12 says, uh, two, and this is the Good News Bible, two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help them up. But if someone is alone, there's no one to help him. Two men can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. I want to tell you uh, about this guy that I work with. And uh, he's a Christian guy, and he struggles with lust. <clears throat> One night, when I was working the night shift, uh, uh, I noticed uh, I was staying and closing up the, the the business for the day, and I noticed that he was walking out of the building and uh, headed to the parking lot. And, and this guy, he's a married guy, by the way, and uh, and he was walking with a rather attractive young lady out to the, the parking lot. And uh, we've talked about things like lust and accountability and, and that sort of thing. And uh, when I seen him walking with this woman, I, I was like, I just didn't like that. So I work at the, the Walmart distribution center, the warehouse, and, and uh, I got on the phone and I got on the PA and I paged him to call me to this number. And, uh, and so he did. And when the phone rang, I was like, I didn't want nothing, man. I just didn't want you walking out to the parking lot with that girl. <laughs> it was something I felt like was inappropriate. And I don't know what he was thinking when he was walking out of the building, but when I was talking to him, he's like, you're right. I, I shouldn't have been doing that. Thank you. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus wants to honor God. He wants God to heal you. And he wants everyone to know that it was God that healed you. And as long as you keep your secrets, no one can see God deliver you from them. And, and, and therefore, God gets no glory. So I would just encourage you to bring your sins into the light because they won't survive there. There's uh, something about honesty. There's freedom in honesty. I'm willing to sit up here and tell you about my past sins because I am free of them. These sins that uh, used to have me bound in chains and I used to walk around wondering you know, what, how would people react if they really knew me, those things don't control my behavior anymore. God has broken those chains and He now uses my past to teach others uh, how to gain that freedom through Jesus Christ. I know we've all heard Doug say this before, that we're only as sick as our secrets. When you get this honest, something amazing happens. All that pain, all that, that shame that you felt, it starts to go away. And when you get over the fear of how the world is going to judge you, you kind of stop caring about how the world judges you. And you start caring more about how God sees you. It takes a lot of courage, but... When you do it, something, something happens in you. When you're honest enough to uh, confess your sins to God, then He will forgive you. And it really won't matter how the world sees you. Because how God sees you is as He sees His Son. He sees you covered in His Son's blood. So remember to be honest. Not just with God, but with other people. 
there's freedom and healing there. The next thing I want to talk about, when you want to take a look at yourself, you've got to be realistic. This is our second point on your listening guide. You've got to remember to not get overwhelmed by what you find in yourself. Since we're talking about mirrors, let's, let's just keep on using mirror stories to illustrate our points. <clears throat> Guys, have you ever uh, seen those cosmetic mirrors that your wife might carry around in her purse or maybe have in the bathroom at home? It's those uh, mirrors that, that give you this really close-up view of yourself. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with curiosity, guys, that you've taken one of those mirrors and you've looked at yourself in it? Now, you can't lie, we are in church. I have. It's a, okay, now you can admit it, I admit it. I've looked at myself in those mirrors and I was disgusted at what I saw. I had these really big nasty pores and my skin just looked terrible. I had these huge freckles that kind of blend in from far away. But man, in those mirrors, they really stand out. Uh, something happened to me. I kind of developed a complex, you know, after I seen myself like that. I mean, I didn't want to be close to anybody. Kind of get, your, your personal space kind of just gets bigger and you feel uncomfortable when they, when they get that close. I didn't want anybody to see me like that. Uh, you know, we all do that, though. We kind of freak out about our little flaws. Uh, and the truth is that people don't see us like that. Uh, you don't notice all my imperfections. I hope you don't notice them, but these lights, as bright as they are, you might notice them. Uh, I have flaws all over my, fla- my face, uh, especially today. I was nervous, nervous this week. <clears throat> but this is how it is with character flaws. We sometimes can get overwhelmed by what we see in ourselves. You can get disgusted. Uh, you, you might even get scared. And I know you'll get terrified at the thought of anyone else knowing about those flaws. But let's be realistic. Everyone has character flaws. Look at uh, what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. The good news is that you're not alone. You, you just need to get real. You're not the only person that struggles with sin. You struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. Doug struggles with sin. Andrew struggles, struggles with sin, Steve and Dan. They all, I mean, everyone I'm looking at in this room struggles with sin. Every person that you read about in this book struggles with sin, with the exception of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that realistic? To know that you're not the only person that struggles with sin? I've been disgusted with myself before. I've been ashamed and depressed. And one thing that helped me uh, kind of overcome, uh, to get over that day when a uh, Alyssa, my daughter, called the uh, police on me when uh, me and Danae were fighting. It was uh, when I started talking to other people, other parents. Some of, uh, of them were a lot older than me, and they and they started telling me about times that they had made mistakes with their children. It may not have been exactly the same, but it, it was mistakes nonetheless. And, I, and it kind of it kind of helped me not get stuck in that place where I was at, just of, of that depression, you know. And it encouraged me to, to move forward and, and not live there in the, in the present moment, but that, that there was hope for a change. And I wanted to change. Uh, and this reminds me that if you're looking, if you want to have an honest look at yourself, uh, if you want to have honest relationships with people uh, that will be an asset to your walk with Jesus Christ, uh, it makes sense to hang out with people who have been where you want to go. You understand? It's important that you, you don't think so highly of yourself 
the Bible tells us when you, this is a dangerous place to be because this is where you fall. This is where you're vulnerable to making mistakes. But just hang out with those people that have been there. Okay, we all struggle with sin, and you also need to know this, that we all struggle with the same types of sin. Before I ever told anyone about my struggles with pornography, I thought that I was the only person in the world that struggled with it. And like I said, I would walk around and, and, and wonder how people would view me if they really knew me. It sounds ridiculous considering the billions of dollars that this industry brings in every year. You, you, you would think that I would have thought that maybe one other person might struggle with it, but I didn't. Uh, I never would have thought that I would talk about it so easily in front of you let alone ever tell just one, one other person. And sometimes that we think that no one that we know could possibly struggle with the same issues. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us that this isn't so. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No sin has seized you except that which is common to man. You understand what this means? It means that you're not alone in your flaws. <clears throat> I bet that you and I are more similar in our characters than you might want to admit since I'm talking about lust issues and struggles with pornography. But I bet we're more alike than you would think. Uh, could you imagine what improvements that each of us could make in our lives if we would just be, get real with each other? If we could, uh, I mean, not judge, not be critical or harsh, but just get real with each other and help each other, advise each other, uh, hold each other accountable. You know, when, when, when people know you and they know where your flaws are, they know what questions to ask you. You know, how you doing? How you doing with that? I just want to take a moment to say that um, I think this church does a good job of it. When I first started coming to this church on a regular basis, I felt like I was around real people. And uh, I felt like I could be real. And that's the first time I could ever put being real, being me, and attending church in the same kind of sentence or the same kind of idea because I always thought that uh, when you went to church that you would, would put on this image of yourself that you'd want others to see. You're, you put on your best foot. I never would imagine that I could come to a place uh, express my love with God as I really am, who, who I really am, and not be bound by what I've done, but understand that, God, that God's grace has freed me from the sins of my past and that it's okay to admit and, and to talk about where you've been because you never know who you encourage when you're, when you're talking about it. Anyways, get back on chart. We're talking about uh, not getting overwhelmed. One thing that you can do uh, to, to help you from getting overwhelmed when you're, when you're looking at your character flaws is just to kind of concentrate on one flaw at a time. If you, uh, if you, if you look to at the, all of them at once, it can kind of send you into this depression, like, oh, I can't believe I'm such a... Uh, horrible person, I'm ashamed. But if you look at one flaw at a time, you can, you can kind of work through them slowly. Now, God could perform a miracle and in the blink of an eye totally heal you of all your character flaws. But if you're anything like I am, God has chosen not to answer that prayer. Uh, instead, He wants to teach me and He wants to teach you step by step, day by day, how to correct these flaws. Uh, and He wants to remove them one at a time. Maybe one of the reasons that he works like this is so that we'll learn to use the tools that he's given us, like, like the body of Christ, which is the church. Tools like, like the word of Christ, which is the Bible, 
uh, and, and like the blood of Christ. Have you ever used that tool? The blood of Christ? It's a powerful tool. When, uh, when you're ready to uh, use the blood of Christ, God, God's been ready for you to use it. But when you're ready, then all your sins, God will wash all your sins away and then He'll see you as a new creation. Another thing that you can do where you're taking this inward look at yourself and, and it'll help you keep from getting depressed is also remember your good qualities. This is a, a, another reason why it's important to have other people involved because they can remind you of all the good things that you do. Now, I told you earlier that I had been a bad father and a bad husband. That's, that's not a, uh, entirely accurate. Uh, that was my perception on that day, but when I look back, I kind of I, I think uh, there was some good things that I'd, I've done. You just can't ask Danae about it. You just ask me about it. We, we may have conflicting stories, but I, I'll tell you the truth. But uh, just be realistic about your inward look. And it can help you from getting uh, discouraged. Uh, this isn't uh, a look just at all your bad qualities. Remember to keep flaws balanced with 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 qualities. Uh, I'm sorry, with flaws and with qualities. And I would encourage you to do that. Sometimes you have to get alone. If you if your house is anything like mine, I can't concentrate on anything with the kids running around, jumping on stuff, and you know, Danae talking and, and TV. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Oh, crud. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I think I'll be alone. I'll be spending some time alone. I, I, might, do, I might do some meditating. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's something that would, is helpful. Uh, it's take the time to really think about this. I mean, you can't you can't just say, yeah, that was a good point that Jason was making at church. I need to look at myself and one was, uh, oh well, let me go do this and preoccupy your mind. You know, I mean, seriously, sit down and and, and pray uh, like David did. I mean, meditate on it. You know, read the Bible, know Jesus Christ. I mean, you won't know the character of Christ unless you read about him. Uh, read about it. Know know who he is, and then and then begin to to look at who you are. Uh, I want to move on to the last topic. When you discover character flaws, you should want to commit to change. That's your your last feeling there. And I want to take a moment to uh, just to kind of be transparent with you. You already know that uh, that I'm a sinner. We've ta- I've talked about. I told you about a few of them, but I want to add something to that. I'm a sinner who likes to sin. What I mean is, part parts of me like doing the wrong thing. If I didn't like doing it, then I wouldn't struggle with it. Sin wouldn't be a struggle at all. I don't struggle with eating broccoli. It's not something that I want to do. I, don't, I, don't, I can't say that I struggle with it, but I do struggle with sin. Now, there's also a part of me that wants to do the right thing. There's a part of me that uh, wants to honor God. And these two parts of me are always fighting back and forth. When 
Let's just look at look at the way Paul describes it in Romans seven eighteen. He 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 does a really good job. I think uh, I think Drew's got it. I, I'm not gonna probably not gonna use the whole verse, but he says, "I know nothing good lives in me. This is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out." And he goes on to to say that he does the things that 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 he doesn't want to do. And he doesn't do the things that he wants to do. And he just talks. If you don't read it slow, you can get confused about what he's saying. But he's just talking about this internal battle with this sinful nature and the spirit of God that's living in him. All I'm trying to say is that if you if you're going to commit to making a change in your life, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of hard work. And I think that you understand that any success in life usually doesn't come easy. In my experience, it has it anyways. If God puts it on your heart to take action, say, say in a relationship because you realize uh, it was something about your character, a flaw in your character that was uh, the, the reason for uh, falling out uh, and you need to apologize, I just encourage you to take action and whatever it is. That's just one example. I know that this sounds uncomfortable and it, it's, it's an unsure place. It's an unsecure place for, for any of us to be. Uh, but if you trust God, then you can trust that what that He can do, and He can use the opportunities to uh, to like like that. When you take the courage to follow Him, He can use opportunities like that to grow you. And you never know what He can do in the other person's life. I know that change is hard. I struggle every day with going back to the person I used to be, and uh, I have this this warped idea that I liked it there or that it was comfortable. And then I come to my senses and I realize that I don't, I don't want to be there. And I know it's not worth it. <clears throat> but uh, maybe some of you struggle with the same thing. You struggle with going back to who you were before Christ uh, entered into your life. Even though it might seem that you're having to step out of your comfort zone all the time, and... Uh, it might be unfamiliar with, with you might be unfamiliar with God's way of doing things. It'll work out for the best. And the, the greatest part of this is that you'll need to put all your faith in God. The greatest definition of humility that I've ever heard was it defined as total dependence on God. That's exactly where God wants you to be. James five ten says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. God can do nothing with proud people. But he can do great things with people who need him. I want to challenge you today to, uh, to take a look at yourself from God's perspective. Ask God to show you where you need to make changes. Start making those changes, just one change at a time. And if you could picture now just one little flaw, maybe God's put it on your heart while we've been talking today. And I want to ask you, do you think that you could take one step this week and you can at least confess it to God? And if you can do that, could you tell someone you trust about it? And if you can do that, can you ask them just to pray for you? And if you can do that, could you at least plug into a small group or attend a Friday night, celebrate recovery, and begin a, a journey toward completely eliminating these flaws in your character? By the way, if you think that Celebrate Recovery is just for those kind of people, this whole talk today has been based on one of the principles of Celebrate Recovery. So if, if it's meant something to you, if it's somehow been beneficial to you, then why don't you come to Celebrate Recovery? 
You can, we'd love to see you there. I know people have it in their mind that the kind of people that go there ain't really who we are. But if, you, if this talk today has meant something to you, then I think you can benefit from it. And I think uh, basically in the simplest form, I would just like for you to take one small step to move, encourage you to move from where you're at to one step closer to Christ, even if it's just moving from point A to point B, and then we'll worry about the rest of it on another day. But thank you, and you guys have a great day.